Greetings in the wonderful name of Jesus. Uh, it's such an honor for me to share the vision that I have for Zambia with you guys. I'm leaving uh, for Kalabu in Western Zambia tomorrow morning uh, early. Uh, it's about a four to five day drive. Uh, if I drive alone, I'm going up alone. I don't have somebody going with me. Um, and I'm very excited to go and do this gospel outreach. For those of you that follow me on Facebook, uh, you would have seen the stage that I've built and um, we've put up the light pole, the sound system, everything we've built in the last, say, two weeks. And, um, you know, I, we've worked very hard. In the meantime, I wrote the book and we, uh, you know, ach, there were so many things we did in this last week, got the magazine up. So we were really busy. So um, I'm excited to go out and preach this message of God's unconditional love in the Kalabu area. The outreach we're going to have is going to be something serious for those people. They've never seen equipment like what we have. Um, you know, they've, they haven't seen sound systems like what we're going to put up and all those kind of things. Uh, and it's going to be like a major event for these people. And one of the things that uh, a lot of the people there has not heard is the word, the message of uh, you're not guilty anymore. The message of God likes you. The message of you are the apple of his eye. The message of you can be born from this innocence that we are proclaiming. Uh, I'm so excited about this. I'm also excited about signs, wonders, miracles. It's going to follow the word. I just uh, have this feeling in my heart that we're going to see a lot of those. Now, I want to give those of you that would like to sponsor a trip like this or uh, just give, make financial contributions towards this, the opportunity to do so. This is for people that has got a heart for missions and you feel in your heart that you want to, um, you know, take part in this. So um, I just want to give you the opportunity. For those of you that would like to do that, please do so. You can just go onto my website and uh, click on the donate button. Unfortunately for the people in the United States, um, you know, Safe Harbor from the end of this year, from December, they don't have the facility where they help missionaries in, um, you know, giving those people that do sponsor missionaries tax receipts. I don't know exactly what you call it in the United States, but, uh, you know, um, unfortunately that will not be able uh, to be done anymore. The reason is I don't have a ministry registered in the United States, so I cannot issue something like that. That's as simple as what it is. Uh, those of you that want to give towards this, I just felt to make this open and available for you guys to do so. Thank you so much for your contributions and everybody that has contributed towards Dynamic Love Ministries and uh, does so on a continual basis. Thank you so much for giving towards this ministry. Uh, I trust that you will enjoy this message where I'm going to speak on finances and just bring the truth about sowing and reaping, the grace-orientated message, that which Paul intended uh, in his writing in 2 Corinthians 9, 1 Corinthians 9, 2 Corinthians 8, and as well as uh, Philippians 4, where it talks a lot about sowing and reaping and the fruit that abounds to your account and all those things, just explaining it from a grace foundation. Thank you for uh, contributing, giving towards Dynamic Love Ministries. If you feel so, remember this, you're not going to reap a big harvest because you give to this ministry. What you're going to reap is, um, you know, people that are going to be happy for hearing the gospel. That is all that there is. People are going to hear the gospel through this and the fruit will be behind your name. Now, you have to listen to the message to hear what I'm about to say about this. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to give from legalism or obligation. God bless. Enjoy the service.
Father, I want to thank you that this word that I'm going to preach will touch the hearts of many people um, at the service here and all over the world where this will be watched. And I thank you, Lord, that uh, the correction that it will bring will just have the fruit of joy in the lives of people and that peace will set in people's hearts knowing how high, how wide, how deep and how long your unconditional love is for us all in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you speak powerfully through me today. Amen. 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 Now, before I get into the, the message, I want to just say this. <clears throat> Last Sunday, we spoke on guilt, you know, and the tithe, where we said that Jesus Christ is the tithe. He is the meat that came to the storehouse. And that today will be the last uh, uh, session in this whole series that I've had over, I think, seven weeks, six weeks maybe, on finances. And today we're going to look at some verses like sowing and reaping, which was traditionally taught as, uh, you know, what you do to, you know, to, to, to prosper. And I mean, there are verses that just says it straight out. It says, uh, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. And we're going to look at those verses in the light of grace, in the light of the finished work of Jesus Christ, so that we don't have to walk with guilt. Uh, God doesn't, the kind of life God lives is not a guilt orientated life. He doesn't feel guilty or live, lives with this sense of, um, you know, an underlying subconscious, subconscious guilt wherein he saves people because he actually feels he must do it or feels bad, you know, let me do it. And, um, you know, so we, we are not for guilt. But one thing we must realize is that, um, and also for those watching via the internet, that we should not confuse correction the, 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 the emotion that comes in your heart when you're corrected with guilt. Because the Bible does say in Hebrews very clearly that it is not pleasurable when we are corrected. Now that verse has been used so many times, you know, saying, you know, that God corrects us through hard times, you know, uh, breaking our car, uh, uh, you know, killing the dog, uh, attacking the, the fridge, taking away our money, whatever, you know, it is like God corrects us that way. But that is not what that scripture says. When that scripture in Hebrews talks about correction, that's not pleasurable, it talks about, it was written number one to the Hebrews, which, um, which were the Jewish people, which loved the law system, which found their identity in the law. You must realize that they were seen as the only people of God on the planet. They were the only people group on the planet that would have um, stuff that was given by God himself on a mountain to people. He was, they, they were the, uh, the elect nation. And their whole identity and who they were was, was all in the fact that they were Jews. And um, then God came and he said, listen, I did give you all the prophetic words. I did give you the law system and all the types and shadows. And you did serve a purpose in showing forth all these types and shadows. But I've got good, very good news for you now. Is what all those types and shadows stand for is now coming into reality. Which means that the human race, you know, is the special people of God. And we are preaching the gospel now so that whosoever believe can be saved unto all people. And by saying that, you are saying to a Jew that everything that you've based your life on for all the time that they could remember 
was now worthless. It meant nothing. It is painful. You know, it is not nice to hear that, and let me give you another example, it's not nice to hear that you've maybe um, seen your daughter stoned last week because she was caught in the act of adultery, and here Paul comes and he tells you, listen man, you know, for the last 70 years this whole system has already been done away with, you know, she died for nothing. That's not fun. You know, there is a pain connected with correction. And especially when it comes to something we've done for many years. Um, I found uh, sometimes, especially in the area of finances, you get a lot of emotion connected to it. Because when you come and tell somebody that he has been sowing for a long time, and now you tell him that, it, you know, that was actually not what was written there. And let me just read the verse correctly in context. Then you realize, but I've actually wasted all my money. Or I have been deceived for such a long time. Now, I think of a time when I was at TB Joshua, there was a, a person that came out, a, a man, and he, he confessed to his wife that he cheated, her, cheated on her 20 years ago. And, I, and then she was really, really upset. I mean, it was 20 years ago. And he, he did it once or twice, and now, 20 years later, he can't keep it anymore. Now he confesses. And now she wants to get a divorce. But she's been happy with him for 19 years. But she, what she was thinking was that he's been faithful. And then he corrected what she believed. And that change, especially in a change of belief, always has um, you know, some emotion that's not pleasant with it. But the Bible says, should we accept the correction, you know, we, will, um, we will see the pleasurable fruit of righteousness. You know, should we come to a place in the area of sowing and reaping, for instance, and we come to the, we accept the correction that says, we don't have to sow money so that God can prosper us. You know, because God gives to us because He is our Father and He cares for us. And we should accept that we can find a new life being born in us from that platform. From the platform of I already qualify from the platform of the revelation of who the Father really is and how much He cares for you. So we're going to, um, I'm just going to use the first point here. I'm going to talk first about the, the kind of life that God lives. What did God come to share with man? The end goal was not just to love you and to have you as the recipient of His love, but He loved you so much that He gave you the ability to love. You know, my dog can receive love and provision from me. But it would be very difficult for me to love my dog in such a way that my dog can feel what it feels like to be me. It would be impossible. You know, I can, I can get that right with my children. You know, I can... We, I've got uh, three sons, I can love them in a way, and this is what I would like to see in their life. I would want to love them in a way that they can feel how it feels to love someone else. Not just to love them. The end goal of God's whole life and the reason why He made you was not just that you could be the recipient of love, although we are the recipients of His love. But the end goal of that love was that you could feel what it feels like to love. 
what it feels like to look at somebody else and see uh, uh, that person's value overwhelm you. In the area of finances, to feel what it feels like to know that there is an endless supply and it shall never end. To know what it feels like to be content. God loved man so much that he gave dust the opportunity to feel what those kind of things feel like. In the area of giving, God made man not just to give to him, but that man can feel the pleasure of finding so much value and purpose in someone else that you could feel the emotion of contributing and giving towards somebody else. You know, um, I've seen it many times. I, th I think when it comes to pastors, it is like this many times. You, you receive a lot from people. I mean, people, you would give spiritually and people would give financially towards the church and contribute. And, uh, you know, people most of the time want to treat their leader and be good to their leader. And uh, that some pastors start to walk with a sense of guilt in their hearts, um, you know, and then think you can... Uh, uh, bring in a system of, you know, I'm, well, the reason why it goes so well with me is because I've tithed or because I've sown in the church or because I've given my life and that's why God bless me, that will never take away that sense of guilt the, uh, or that sense of, you know, people are just doing something for me all the time. The, you know, as we give, you know, we want to, to our leader or to any person, we can come to the place where we realize that this receiving is just not all there is to it. You know, if people give to me all the time, you know, I'm always on the receiving side and I've never experienced what it is to give. And if you're giving all the time and you never open your heart to receive, and I know people like that, you cannot give them anything unless they will then give you something back because they feel they don't want to be indebted, you will never know what it feels like to just receive something. And I've seen that happen, um, you know, in, in churches where we preach for the first time, you don't have to tithe or you don't have to sow or whatever, but that God gives to you that people stop to give and they just want to, for a change, feel how it feels like to receive something. Because we've, just, we've never been on the receiving side. We've always been, we've never felt what it feels like to receive something from a God that just loves us. All we've had all the time is we've just worked a principle and actually provided for ourselves and made use of God's principle um, to get it. So it's actually a fruit of our works. We don't know what it feels like to have God give to us. And if you don't know what that feels like, I think you need to you know, allow your heart to receive from God on the foundation that He just gives to you because He loves you. And if you have been receiving, you know, for a long time and you have not been giving, let me tell you this, it's not about, and I'm, I'm not saying this to get money from people, you can give to any poor person or wherever you feel in your heart to give. But we have been designed by God to, to, to know what it feels like and have a life in you where you can feel generous and live generous, not by fear or guilt or anything, but based on a revelation of who He is and when seeing Him revealed in you. And that is called the grace of God. We will also look at that. 
Now let's look at one of the verses in Philippians here, which is um, a well-known verse. Where Paul says, I don't want the gift, but I want the fruit that abounds to your account. Now that has been used so many times to say, you know, that you know, Paul says, I'm so humble that I'm willing to take your money because I want the fruit that will abound on your account, which is that your money will be multiplied and you're going to become very rich. So I'll be humble enough to receive your money so that you can become rich. <laughs> That's not what's written there. Not at all. Let me read from Philippians 4 verse 10. It says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care for me has flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Now what he was saying here, he says, Thank God for what you've given to me, and I'm greatly rejoicing in the Lord that I've received what you have sent me. You must re realize Paul didn't have 20 people sponsoring his ministry or 100. He had one or two. And if they didn't give, he had nothing. And he was actually talking about this here. He said, listen guys, I didn't write to you or anything to hint for anything. But I want to just say, now that you've given to me, I'm thankful towards the Lord, you know, and I rejo rejoice greatly. And I knew that you always wanted to do this, but you never had an opportunity. Because uh, almost 2,000 years ago, they couldn't quickly go to APSA and do a transfer, you know, on their iPhone to quickly put the money into Paul's account. They needed an opportunity, meaning they've got a lot of stuff here. A lot from a scarf and a book and a sock, millies and whatever, and they want to give it to him, but they need an opportunity. Sometime there must go some wagon there, you know, that can carry the stuff, and they didn't have an opportunity, but their heart was willing to do this. And here we see the letter written between Paul and one of his uh, supporters. He says, not that, I, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am, therewith to be content. And I believe, for people watching by the internet, this is the attitude that every church leader should have. Not to speak in respect of want, but to have contentment in your heart. In whatever state I am. He says, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. So you see the context of this verse here is, I know how to walk, I, I, I've got the strength that when, when I'm blessed, I know how to handle those finances in a good way. I, I, I'm, I'm strengthened by Christ to do that and should I have nothing I'm also strengthened by Christ to be content in whatever state I am you know we've used that verse to say I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me and that all means all no it doesn't mean all because can you go and murder somebody through Christ that strengthens you no <laughs> so there is, the all there doesn't really mean all the context of the all there is in, in this verse is very simply, I can have, I have the ability by Him, should I prosper or not, to always be happy. That's what that verse says there. Then he goes on, he says, notwithstanding that you've done well, that you did communicate with my affliction. So he says here, guys, listen man, I never wanted anything from you, I never uh, hinted towards anything, and you gave it. Now by this time in the letter, the people can almost feel guilty. 
for giving Paul something. And then Paul says, but notwithstanding, you've done well, that you did communicate with my affliction. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. So here Paul comes and he teaches, or he says to the people, when I started out preaching in Macedonia, I went on no church, but you. It was you were the only church in the beginning of my preaching there that supported me concerning giving and receiving. Now what is the giving and receiving there? It's not some principle wherein you gave and now you received money. The principle there was you gave and I received. That's what Paul was saying. The giving and receiving. They gave and he received it. That is all it says. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again for my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire the fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound, and I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. Verse 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ. So what is Paul saying here? And Sorry for going through this verse by verse through all these verses, but there's been so much deception concerning this passage that we have to go through this this way just to see the truth in it. What Paul was saying here is he says, listen guys, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. And then he says, um, not because I desired the gift. I rejoice in the Lord for what I've received, but not just because I desired the gift, but what my desire was, was that fruit may abound to your account. So what was that all about? The word account there uh, talks about, doesn't talk about APSA or First National Bank account. The word account there doesn't have any reference to any account. It is the Greek word logos. Which is the very same word with, which the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. In the beginning was the logos and the logos was with God and the logos was God. Here he comes and he says, I want you guys, what my heart was all for was, that you guys would have a word that, or you guys would have fruit that abounds to this gospel. So what he was actually saying is, all I wanted to see in your life was that the gospel works for you. I wanted to see that the gospel can bring forth the very a nature of God in your life. I wasn't in this for myself to get money for you, from you. Although you did give to me, and I am very blessed by the gift, yet this was not my plan to preach this to get money out of you. My plan was to, to preach the gospel to you, and I wanted to see this gospel bear fruit in you. Like with me, if I preach here, um, you know, I, I want to see the fruit of joy in your life. And that cannot come with five lessons in how to smile. <laughs> I want to see uh, the, the people in this congregation reach out, invite people, want to, you know, bring people to the fellowship so they can hear more news, or even plant churches or have cell groups, whatever you want to do. I want to see that. That is a passion in my heart that I want to see. But I cannot have that by an evangelism program. 
Because then I'm defeating the object. Then I'm forcing people into something that cannot have a natural birth in their life. Something must come forth. So the reason why I preach here is to declare to you what Christ has freely done so that you can have His quality of life. I want to see that fruit as what God purposefully gave His Son so that we can attain unto the adoption of sons, which is immortality, that we could attain unto the first fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, and all those kind of things, so that we can enjoy our life. That's why He gave this. And this fruit bearing is, He took the whole responsibility of fruit bearing on Him. It's not your responsibility. The only thing I, I, I've put it here, I said, um, God took the whole thing about fruit bearing upon Him and He will bring it forth. The only thing that we have from our side is to say, I am willing, God, that you can bring this forth in me. And this is what I expect from you to manifest in my life by your resurrection power for I'm not going to try and manifest it by my power for you shall bring it forth but I am open and I am for this and this is what I want then we will find what I call effortless fruit bearing so here we can see that Paul says my desire so here, here we see Paul going through hard times financially. But he is not putting pressure on the church. For he wants the church to hear God. And out of this we can see two things. We can see um, the effect that giving has in the church. You know, if the person, your, your next door neighbor doesn't have any food. And you don't give him food, he might go without food for quite some time. And should you give it to him, he would have food. We don't live with guilt in our, in our lives towards this, but we thank God for the freedom that we can, and, and the, the opportunity that we have received from God to live a life where we can at least influence somebody else's life. I think I would be the most frustrated person if this gospel was a gospel where God was only good to me and there was nothing that I could give out. If I could only receive love, but I could not love back. If I could receive this awesome good news, but I was um, blind, deaf, you know, mute, and I couldn't write anything or whatever, but I knew all this, I would have felt as if I'm going to die because I've got all this truth about what God has done for mankind and I cannot feel how it feels like to share it with somebody and to see the joy of revelation on the other person's face. Because there's a quality of life in seeing this manifest in our lives. When I look at what Ben testifies here and what the gospel has done to him, you don't know what it does for my heart to see what has happened there. When I see people come and say, Bertie, you know, um, I went onto your website, listened to your message, it changed my life completely. There's a, there's a joy in it. There's, a, there's an effect. And this is what he's saying here. He didn't try and abuse the people. What he was looking for is, I want the gospel to bring forth natural fruit in people. And the moment, the oomlik as die verskoning Afrikaans nie, maar die oomlik as die karring aan die ding, is dit nie meer natuurlijk nie. Want dit opgemors. So the only thing that Paul did was, he was praying, he was, 
you know, uh, he knew that people wanted to give the stuff, they had no opportunity, and he knew that it will manifest naturally. Glory to God. Amen. Right, the next verse we're going to look at. So here we can see where it talks about the fruit that abounds to your account. It was actually saying, listen man, what I'm looking for is that I can, when I look at you guys, that I can see generosity manifest in your life. And he wasn't hinting the generosity towards himself. I believe Paul would have had the same joy if that money was given to somebody else in helping him. Because it was not about the money for him, it was a for him it was about this, that there could be a good word of generosity about the word of grace. And I can say this to you guys and I can say it to people, um, you know, watching via the web. I don't want the grace message to be, when it comes to finances and helping others, to be labeled as a message wherein those people that believe in grace are the stingiest people on the planet. You know, it's like with the jokes we make about Jews. It's just like, you know, he means, you know, they're very stingy. You don't want that to stick to the grace, uh, um, uh, like abuse would stick to the, the, the charismatic church system. We've been abused there. We've been used, you know. Money was manipulated out of people, and that is what's sticking there. You know, and this bigger is better, and money, abuse of money, and everything is sticking. It's just all over that system. In the same way, we don't, I don't want that. But if I go and force people, and like the one guy said to me, he says, Bertie, you know, yes, we must wait, you know, for people to bear natural fruit. We'll have to do something, you know. Can't we preach a tithe in such a way that doesn't sound like the law and just bring forth something, you know. I need to pay my water lights here. <laughs> I've had people phone me up, say that to me. I say, I can't, brother. We can't do it that way. Just wait, you know. And if you, if you have nothing, man, get a job. Get a job. Work. And preach the gospel. Make sure that people hear the truth, that the gospel can bring forth the fruit in the person that can be natural fruit. So it doesn't help we try and force fruit down on people. The gospel must bring forth the fruit. And I just believe as preachers and as, as an individual, what we do in our hearts is we open ourselves up. If you feel you are maybe the stingiest person there is and you've got all fear when it comes to money, say this to God. Say, God, I acknowledge that this is what I feel. But this heart and this life is available for whatever you want to do. And if you want to bring forth your generosity in me, here am I. You bring it forth and I will follow what you bring forth in my heart. And He will bring it forth. And as easy as what it is for you to stress, that's how easy it would be for you to be generous. Because He shall bring it forth by His generosity. Amen. So that is what Paul was saying here. He was not trying to give them a secret a secret to have financial prosperity above all other people, bringing all the wealth of the wicked, you know, to the, to the just. Glory to God. He was trying to just explain, listen, you know, I don't want you guys to have a wrong idea about me when it comes to money, because if you look at the writings of Paul, he was so concerned that people would not have a wrong image of the gospel 
and that the gospel would be perverted by money, thinking that he's just running off the money. There's a lot of, if you, if you know that Paul is like that, you see it everywhere in his writings. Let's read on. We're going to um, uh, 2 Corinthians 8. I have to read this whole passage to explain this because, like I said, you know, there was so much abuse um, in this. If you go to uh, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, it says, But I say this, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Now, I mean, that is as clear as day to any person that wants to run the sowing and reaping system like it was traditionally preached in church. Well, just this would be his aha moment. This would be the, I don't need any more scripture. This is it. But to understand that one verse, we need to start at chapter 2, uh, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1, and you need to understand the whole of 2 Corinthians 8, and then you'll have to understand the first five verses in 2 Corinthians 9 to know what it's actually talking about there. And this really connects to the fruit um, that we've talked about in Philippians. Now let me explain this. Moreover, brethren, we want to testify of the grace of God that was on the poor churches in Macedonia. How in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Now what he says here, actually, in short is, we want to testify on how the, the poor churches in Macedonia was completely set free. They were liberated to the deepest form of liberation in the area of finances. God's grace came upon them and liberated them. They were poor. They were some of the poorest churches. And then when they heard about the Corinthian church that wanted to make a financial contribution towards the poor churches in Jerusalem, because the church in Jerusalem was persecuted, then, I mean, she would, the, the church in Jerusalem was seen as the mother of the churches. And then from there, smaller churches were planted or other churches. And then when this mother church was persecuted, then the church in Corinth, which was, uh, there was a lot of commerce and stuff in Corinth and they were rich, they said, well, we will now help her. We will help the church in Jerusalem. And this word came out. And then the poor church in Macedonia heard about this. Then the grace of God came upon the poor church in Macedonia and they say, then they begged the Apostle Paul to give them the right that they can also give towards that. They also wanted to contribute to the church in, um, in Jerusalem. So, just context here. The context here is giving to the poor. The context here is not taking up money in the church for the church building. Nowhere in the, in the Bible, unless in the New Testament, I can, I can be mistaken, but nowhere is there any guide on how we should actually receive money in the church for paying pastors and buying a sound system and water and lights. There's no guide. There's no guide. The only guide there is, is, for sure, is the wisdom that's from above is first peaceable. It will not carry condemnation and guilt, and you will not have to work a law principle. So whatever, you know, if we want a place like this, then we say, listen, we have church like this. We have our gathering of the church in this way. If this is what you like, you know, let's all contribute to just pay this. That's how spiritual it gets. 
That's the maximum spirituality towards this. You know, it's like uh, if we want a, a keyboard, then we'll have to buy. If we want worship this way, you don't have to have worship this way. You don't have to. But if this is what you like, you know, then we buy it. That's a simple principle. We're a family. So those of you that want to, listen, we, we're going to do worship in a different way here. We're going to buy a keyboard or we're going to buy a sound or we want to buy somebody a car. That Would you contribute towards that? That's how spiritual it gets. Because there's no, in the church, there's no model. The only model there is, nobody wants to talk about, and the Bible says that those who did have houses, sold the houses and this stuff, and they laid all them, they had everything in common. It was like communism. They put everything at the feet of the apostles, and we clearly see not long after that the church was very poor. It didn't work. So there must be a free will thing that comes from a person's heart, you know. So here we see, you know, that the Apostle Paul comes and he wants to actually correct the church in Corinth. A little bit more background. The church in Corinth was very rich. They were very happy, touched by the Holy Spirit, to make a promise. They promised and say, we shall give. When they made this promise, the poor church in Macedonia heard this and some other poor churches, other churches as well. And then they already gave. They gave to Paul, said, take our stuff now. But the church in Corinth, which, which made the promise, which actually sparked the fire in all these other churches, has not given yet. And is now a year later. And now the... Okay, right. So, <laughs> so here he comes... And he says, let me write to the church in Macedonia because I've got a problem now. I wouldn't even have written to the church in Corinth, but now these Macedonians are so full of fire, they said, we are going to go with you, Paul, when you collect the stuff from Corinth, which they promised. You see, these, once the grace came on the poor church in Macedonia, it wasn't enough for them to give above their ability. They even now wanted to go, even help more. We'll go to the other places and we'll bring our wagons. We'll bring everything from us and we'll help you carry all of this. And then Paul put one and one together and he says, Oh my goodness, you know, when we get there, those people might have nothing. And then what will be in the hearts of these people? We're going to sit now with church politics. We're going to sit here with people being hurt. So let me write a letter and encourage these people to complete what they started. And he used their promise. He didn't command them. He used their promise to tell them, listen, you felt this by the Holy Spirit. So if you felt this by the Holy Spirit, I want you to also have the grace to accomplish this. Not according to what you don't have, but according to what you do have, because we don't want you to become unhappy. Because... If I must, through giving, make you unhappy, then I'm removing you from the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy. So if my teaching on money robs you from joy, you know, I'm working against myself. So that's why Paul said, listen, according to what you have determined, predetermined in your heart, as you feel, do it that way, so that it can be with joy. And this, then he prayed this, he prayed this, he says, I pray that God's grace 
might cause you to increase financially that you could even give more. So he was not trying to push the last cent out of him. With a typical teaching where we think of the, the, the lady, the, the, you know, the widow that took her last meal and went to the prophet, you know, and then um, cared for the prophet. That woman had a word from God before she cared for the prophet. Because Elijah came there, God said to Elijah, I've already commanded somebody to care for you. So she was already talking to God about it. She knew God would provide in some way for her, but she didn't know where the man of God was. Then what happened was, here came Elijah, and Elijah gave the word. And the, the woman already knew in her heart that God has already told her, I will do this and provide for you. If you go and read it carefully there, you'll see it's written there. And then he provided, and she had. And the key was not, the key was not, if you give to the preacher, then God will multiply your money. The key is, the, 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 Elijah talks about the prophetic word. It talks about the Logos. Once you receive the Logos, which is the Gospel, the Gospel will care for you. That's what it means. I can promise you now, if you never give me one cent ever, God will care for you. If you never give me anything, but you believe the true gospel of Jesus Christ, you will have peace, joy, uh, abundant life. You'll have all those things. For the word you receive, the prophetic word, the message that comes from God, which is now fulfilled, which is the message of Jesus, shall always provide for you. So make place and provide for yourself to hear the word. The best way we can interpret that today is make sure you hear the good news. Make sure you go onto the internet and download that message. Or if you don't want to do it that way, make sure you spend some time somewhere in the week when you can hear God speak to you about how much He loves you and how much He cares for you and that word will sustain you. That's the fulfillment of that. It cannot be fulfilled in you've, you've blessed the holy man of God, now His anointing comes down on you. No. What I do believe the Bible talks about, it says, keep the preacher that preaches the grace message in high esteem. Not the one that condemns you. The Bible says, contribute and give and be part of those that preach grace. It's, it, why? Because you will, of that word, reap life. But if you partner with, give towards those that preach legalism law, you will die. For God is not mocked. In the context of Galatians there, he was talking about mocking God by supporting legalism. He says you don't support legalism because the legalism you support where, where your gift is there, your heart is as well. So your heart opens up towards the legalism they're busy with and the legalism enters your belief and destroys your life. That's why you will not find me support any law, anything. Nothing. I can rather give to somebody in the street that I don't know at all, you know, and support them, help them, do whatever, but I cannot support a system that preaches legalism. I can never do it. 
And I think of the times when I preached legalism, if, my, if I would have had a, a growing church in legalism, the best thing that would, could ever happen to me was if all the funds was taken away from it. Because what would happen is, because of my legalistic mind, I would have said something's wrong. Something is wrong, something's not working, God show me what's wrong. And then God would show me that my gospel is wrong, and I would have a grace church. But we can't keep this Ishmael going all the time. And I say this boldly, and I know some people will crucify, for the, crucify me for this. Don't support the law. Don't do it. I don't say support me. Support grace. Amen. Right. Don't support the law. And I'm really talking about the context in which I say this is a local church where you sit in a place, where you hear tithing every Sunday, where you hear all these things, where you feel, oh God, I don't qualify. You know, I don't want to say, I don't want to sound as if I'm bad-mouthing anybody. But the other day I decided, let me watch some Christian television. And I think I put in altogether about five hours. And I didn't find one sentence of grace in five hours. As a matter of fact, I didn't even find the name of Jesus. I don't want to point fingers because that's a negative thing to do. But, you know, at least you have, I didn't find the slightest hint to what Jesus has done upon the cross for anybody. Not once. Never. And that breaks my heart. And I just think we cannot support that, people. We can't. You might be in dire straits, you know, and you go on TV, oh God, I need some money. And here's a guy with a $25 blessing. Don't send your money there. As a shepherd of this flock, I want to protect the flock. Don't send your money there. They're stealing from you. They're robbing you, man. Rather give at the place where you see there's love, no condemnation, where people are, are, are cared for on the foundation of the finished work of the cross, where the cross is preached, where the innocence is preached, those kind of things. Do that. So here we find that Paul comes and he says to the people in Corinth, he says, listen, you've got a very good idea to give money to the poor churches in Jerusalem, but I don't see the fruit yet. I still want the fruit that will abound to your account. He even comes and says, I want you to, to, to look at the, you, you know the grace of Jesus. He was rich and he became poor so that we through his poverty might be made rich. Verse 9, I give my advice in this. So what he's saying is, I want you to function in the very same grace that Jesus functioned. He was willing to take of his riches and enrich somebody else. And this is what he says, I want you to, I want this grace to multiply in your life. What grace? The grace of, I have already promised this by grace, God influenced me, and I felt loved, I felt the compassion, I felt let me do this, to the point that I believed and spoke, made it known to people, and now he says, I want the grace of God, be willing for God's grace to bring forth giving towards what you've promised a year ago. That's all it's saying here. Let's read from chapter 9 verse 1 and we're going to finish off with this. For indeed regarding the ministry of the saints, it's, it's not necessary for me to write to you. For I know your eagerness. So he says, I don't want to write to you to tell you, listen, let's support the saints. I already know that you want to do this, for you've promised a year ago. For I know your eagerness 
of which I boast in Macedonia on your behalf, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has arose the greater number. So in other words, all these people, Nakaya and Macedonia, all of them has already given a year ago. And they were ignited by you making this promise and say, we want to partake in that. I say this, lest perhaps Macedonia should come with me and find you unprepared. We would then be put to shame in, the con in, in this confident boasting. Says, Lester, man, I think the message says, we're going to stand there red-faced looking at each other. It's well said. Verse 9, Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the, brother, uh, the brothers that they would go forward to you and make up beforehand your blessing, it having been promised that this would be ready, thus as a blessing and not as of covetousness. So he says, listen, we give you enough time now so that you are not under any, any pressure or forced that it can be out of the abundance of your heart and that money will not grab a hold of your mind all of a sudden. But this I say, uh, but I say this, he who sows sparingly shall reap sparingly and he who sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. We shouldn't stop to read there. We should read the rest to understand it. Each one as he purposed in his heart let him give, not of grief or of necessity, for God loves it when we give cheerfully. Just put it in simpler terms there. Verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that in everything, always having all sufficiency, you may abound to every good work. So what is he saying here? He says, listen. Okay, let me read the next two verses and then explain it. As it's written, he scattered and has given to the poor. His righteousness remains forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for eating, may he, uh, may he, uh, okay, he supply and multiply your seed and increase the fruit of your righteousness. Let me explain this. Let's say this is the seed. Okay? He says, I, he who sows sparingly, he who takes seed and gives it sparingly, he will reap sparingly. But he who gives a lot will reap a lot. Remember what's the context? The context is these people that are going to see what you now give because you were the one that promised and you are the richest church of all. The church in Corinth was the richest church. So here they come. Now, they've got the, they wanted to do it, but they were bearing no fruit. So he says, listen, if you give bountifully, if you give a little, you will reap a little. What will you reap a little? Money. No. The context is written there on what you will reap. It says there, may he supply, may he multiply your seed and increase the fruit of your righteousness. So what he was saying is, I want you to have more fruit in the area. You are already righteous. But your righteousness doesn't manifest any fruit. And the only way in which you're going to have fruit is by giving. It's not when you give, God will give you fruit. What he was saying is giving is the fruit. The more you give, the more fruit we see. The lesser you give, the less fruit we see. And this is my prayer. I pray that God can, by His grace, increase your seed. How? By giving you more business. By blessing you. So that you can bear much fruit. The true context of that is written this way. He says, He gives seed to the sower, 
And if you read the, if you understand the whole thing that he was explaining there, is he gives seed to the sower that becomes bread or food on the table of somebody else. So others can benefit. The seed was changed from a seed to a bread. Seed becomes bread. In the very same way, contributing money to somebody becomes fruit on your account. What is that fruit? Generosity. It's written behind your name. Not by God, but by the people that look at you. Because the fruit of Jesus is already written behind everybody's name. For we were made His righteousness by Jesus Christ. But the context here is what other churches would think about this church. The context here is not God's golden rule to get a Porsche. That's not the context. The context here is not to see, you know, uh, 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 what a big house you can buy by giving money to the local church. That's not, it's got nothing to do with that. The context is, Paul is saying that this bad is going to come, a bad fruit is going to come from this whole thing if this church doesn't give. Let me pray for them. Let me ignite the spark that was in their heart a year ago and let and I pray to God that the grace of God can even multiply what they have so that when they give, that they would have enough that they would not give grudgingly because they do have that the grace that was on the churches of Macedonia can also come on the church in Corinth and that this seed, the money, that it can become even more by the grace of God so that there can be a lot of good fruit on the church in Corinth for these other churches to see, including the church in Jerusalem. That's the sowing and reaping. What was I sowing? I was giving. I was giving some of my money. On what platform? The platform of no condemnation, no guilt, free will, not working some principle. And now, on my account, my Logos is written generosity by who by people that look at the church that's the context that is the context that is how it is supposed to be and in that context there's no condemnation no guilt freedom if you don't feel any fruit if you if, if you don't see any fruit in your life listen this is my prayer for you my prayer for you is that the grace of God may abound in your life in the area of your business. Should you not have to give, that the grace of God will abound in your business, that people will be drawn there, that you might have an increase, you know, in salary or whatever, that you can, so that you can come to a place where you can have, and then I pray that the grace of God again come over your heart, that you will be set free from all fear, that you can feel how it feels to be generous. That's it. And how God guides and how God leads you to give, that is between you and God. Amen. I have to touch on this. Paul comes in 1 Corinthians 9, just to make this complete. I don't want to do another session on this, so let me just finish this. Paul comes in 1 Corinthians 9, he talks about giving to a preacher. How does that work? Paul comes and he says that a preacher has got the right to receive money, from the people that he preaches to. Now that was twisted into the preacher can force the people to give him money. 
That's not what Paul was saying at all. Paul was saying, never contradicting the foundation of grace, he was giving advice and giving. This is what he said. And I want to put it in my own words. Should people come and feel they want to give to, let me use myself, to me. And what people give by free will without being manipulated and controlled. If that is enough to live off, I don't have to work. That's what Paul was saying. And I don't have to feel guilty in the presence of other people that do have a normal job. And that is all that he was saying. And then he was, what he was also saying is, God ordained for that person to live that way. Those who plant grapes, don't they eat of that grapes? Those who's got cattle, don't they eat the meat of that cattle? Yes. Those that preach the gospel is the big thing if they reap material things. In other words, the church in Corinth was so money-orientated that they were complaining about Paul receiving money from people and giving it freely to him. And then they said, this is wrong. Paul just came here for money. Because, you know, many times the rich are more money-orientated than, you know, others. They're just so scared somebody gets something. And here Paul was getting something for free. And if you read the context and what he received, he received lodging and a plate of food a day. And they were complaining about that. Then he said, I will not receive this. And he made tents and worked. Because he saw that these people have got such a mammon orientation in their mind that he will rather work. Otherwise, the fact that he received something for free is going to be a hindrance to the gospel. That's a true context there. And then he was suffering. And he said, I'm not even allowed, you know, to have a lady serve me in my house. He wasn't even allowed. Because in those days, what they believed was, we can only support the apostles of the Lamb, which was the twelve apostles. They can get, because they walked with Jesus, they left their jobs, they walked with Jesus, Jesus cared for them. So now, you know that Jesus has gone to heaven, obviously Jesus will continue to care for them through us. And when Paul comes, you're not an apostle of the Lamb. That's what they were saying to Paul. But Paul said, I am an apostle to you. I came in the authority of an apostle. Have I not seen our Lord Jesus Christ? Have, we not seen, have, 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 have you guys not seen the signs, the wonders and miracles? Were, aren't you people the fruit of my apostleship? That you came to the gospel through my ministry? Is what Paul said. And now that people freely want to give and asking for an opportunity to give, and they do, now you guys want to complain about me receiving something, but I led you to Jesus. That is what he was talking about. And then he says, let's not muzzle the ox that treads out the grain. So in other words, what he was saying there is, it is possible for a congregation to muzzle the preacher concerning money. And the, the, the true preacher is not going to complain about that all day. He's just going to have a job and he'll preach the gospel. And the people will get free. Because Paul said there, he, he wrote on, he says, not that I will now, after I've corrected you in this, receive anything from you. Because now it is not because of the free will of grace, it's because you feel guilty. Do you see the integrity portrayed in the Apostle Paul? So as for this church and Dynamic Love Ministries, I, receive, I only receive money that comes from people that want to freely give it. 
if you don't want to freely give it and this ministry cannot be supported by people freely giving feeling in their heart that this is a pure way of doing it this is what God intended if there's not enough money for doing it that way then I don't do anything then I do whatever I can do working a normal job and I do that because God's not going to wring my neck because I have not preached to millions of people and if I work a normal job and I on a weekend, a long weekend, when I feel to do an outreach, I can do it or preach on a Sunday here or whatever and I feel I can work it into my schedule and I feel I can do that, then I'll do it with that money. That's it. But should there be enough money, I'm not going to walk around with guilt in my heart and no preacher is supposed to, if you watch by the internet, none of you are supposed to walk around with guilt receiving should people give it, not from obligation or working some principle wherein you know, you try and fund a vision. We don't have to spiritualize our visions. You know, if there's a passion in your heart, and say our church here feel, we want to reach out more to more people. What are we going to do? I'm just going to say, listen guys, we're going to have an outreach here and here. If any one of you want to uh, get involved there, you feel it in your heart, let's come, let's do it. And then we're going to do it. We don't have this thing, God told me, you know, I must. What about... I just feel passionate enough to go and preach to the lost. I think that's better to me. If my son comes and he, he takes some of the money he worked for and he buys me a chocolate, he says, Dad, I just want to bless you. Here's a chocolate. You're a good dad. Do you know what that will do to my heart? I'll be so blessed. But if he buys a chocolate and I say to him, why are you buying me the chocolate? He says, Mom said I must. I've missed the whole thing. It's not fruit anymore. How can I take it then? It's like, maybe I'll just take it out of not hurting his heart or something. You know, but it can't, he can't. So just, this is the final session on finances on this. I hope you guys, that those scriptures are clear to you. We don't sow to reap. We've got a father cares for us. We are born of him. Therefore, we are generous. And we live in that generosity. You give according to what you do have. If you feel fear in your heart, you open your heart for the grace of God. Saying, God, work in me that I can have to give. And I give out of what I do have and not what, out of what I don't have. Maybe there are some of you that always feel you wanted to contribute something or give. I found many people, you know, um, feel that whatever they want to give is not a, a good enough sacrifice. What makes, a, what makes it an acceptable sacrifice according to the Bible is free will, not amount. Free will is what makes a thing holy. Not amount, but free will. And I have found many people in my life over years come and say, Bertie, you know, one day when I hit the jackpot, you know, I'm going to buy you a stage. Listen, I can see in your heart there's a passion to support the gospel. God doesn't care about you buying me a stage. It's all about you living and feeling what it feels like to be a giver. So use the one rand you have and get free from guilt because what's going to happen now is you're going to all the time bargain with God to get some kind of a business deal through and then live with guilt all your life and never experience the quality of life He intended for us.
Amen. 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 Father, I want to thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. I want to thank you for just um, revealing these scriptures to me that I can teach it to this fellowship here whom I dearly love and all the people all over the internet. Thank you, thank you so much that people can be set free in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. If you guys want to give, you can give in the back. If, um, if you want to order the CD, please do so that we can spread this message to as many people as possible. And then those watching via the internet, please share this. Um, with as, if you feel freedom to do it, share this with as many people as possible on your Facebook page or email them the link uh, that people can hear this. People need freedom. God bless you. Amen. Thanks, guys.